So on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited would you say you are to talk about money today? And that's a good thing that pastors use rhetorical questions because I'm not always sure that I would like to see some of the answers that, that I might get. And, and I thought about this so much today, like, really, here we go. Um, there's, the, there's the classic stereotype with the church, right? The only thing the church cares about is money. You've heard that, right? I thought about this leading up into the service and... Uh, you know, yesterday we had some friends coming from Nebraska in, and I, I, I talked to my friend Jessie. She was a, a member of my former church, and I asked her, hey, so uh, guess what we get to talk about at church today? What? Uh, money. And she said, oh. And I said, are you still going to come? She said, yeah, I'll still be there. <laughs> I said, that's great. And then, and then this morning I see some brand new visitors come to our church, and I'm like, oh, great. Hey, and here we are talking about money. Isn't this just great, right? Uh, because you know what the stereotype is. And it's a stereotype because, well, let's just face it, there's been a bad history in the past at different places, different regions, different time periods in history where the church has just horribly abused money. Pastors in a position like myself who, who preach and are asking their members, hey, you know what we need to do? You need to give. Give more, give more so that it goes to ministries, but instead of mission work and ministries, what instead it goes to is the pastor's bank account and his car's and his house, maybe even his private jet, and that is a true story. Or maybe for you, the, the struggle is a little more personal, actually, because maybe you've been part of a, a church in the past that burned you in its conversation of money. Maybe it was a, a pastor, in it, like my position, who, who guilted and, and, and beat passages over his members' heads and said, you need to give X amount of dollars, otherwise God is not happy with you. You're not pleasing God. Or maybe it was a, a, a desperation message saying, you see this place? We're in, we're in survival mode right now. If you don't give, these doors are going to close up and our mission, mission and ministry is going to stop and you'll have no one to blame but yourself, so you better give. And maybe that still today leaves a sour taste in your mouth and then when you hear a topic of finances, money, oh great, and it brings up all these feelings. And you add not just the stereotype, but the fact that in general, do you know what, not just Americans, but people in general, do you know what they really don't like to talk about? <laughs> money. Not just money, but specifically their management, their use of money, their stewardship of money. Like if I put your budget up here on the screen, I would never see you again. How excited would you be, right? And, and so you see the, the challenge that I have in front of me today to present a godly conversation on money when it seems to be like the last thing that anyone wants to talk about. And, and so maybe I thought, you know, it's, it's best to, to start off this message today and tell you what this is not about. This message is not about budgets or buildings. It's not about our, our church here at Trinity. To, to be quite honest with you, we have been blessed financially, uh, member-wise, we have been so blessed, especially even throughout this pandemic. That's, that's not what it, it's about. We're, we're not making a cry for help. We need you to give more so we can. And it's also, th this message is also not about a guilt trip. I'm not up here just to, to, to thump some passages over your heads and make you feel guilty about what you give or don't give. And okay, again, pastor made me feel bad. Maybe I should go home. Maybe Maybe I should quick get the checkbook out and write something and drop it in the offering plate after, after church. No, that's, that's not what it's about. 
In fact, I'll, I'll say a little more on that later. So instead, what is this message about? This message is simply about you and your relationship with God in terms of money. And I think a really good passage to help us focus and, and laser in on, on where we want to talk about with a heart is this passage that, that the Apostle Paul quotes from Jesus in Acts chapter 20, where Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus says, you know how great it is to receive stuff like at Christmas or your birthdays and stuff, like getting presents, everybody loves that. But do you think getting is great? <laughs> Try giving. And trust me, when you do, you, you won't go back. In a passage like that, I'll bet you've seen, maybe even memorized, maybe even it's come out of your mouth before. Yeah, I, I know this passage, I remember that. But it's one thing to say, it's a whole nother thing to believe. And so as I was thinking about this passage and, and thinking about us here at Trinity, I wanted to, to diagnose our health in terms of that passage, in terms of our generosity. And so what I did was completely anonymously, and I can't stress that enough, completely anonymously, I was able to compile some, some statistics, some, some stats of, of our giving over the last year. And I just wanted to see, so how many people at Trinity have given $1,000 or less over the last year. So if you're doing the math, if you're, if you're one of those math nerds, I, I am, that's, that's coming out to less than $100 a month. And if you did the math, the, the number that I came up with was a 62%. 62% of Trinity gives $1,000 or less than, less than $100 a month to our church. And to clarify that, this isn't little kids that aren't old enough to have jobs and are still, you know, taking lunches to school and things like that. No, no, this is, these are families. These are adults who, who love this place, who come to this place, who call this home, their family, they love it, they support it. And, and almost two-thirds say that's where God is in their life, in their finances. And to give you a little more perspective on this, um, I wanted to see how that kind of looks in terms of median income. So I ran some more numbers. According to these are these are based off of the uh, the U.S. what is it the uh, census? There we go, the U.S. Department. Um, so according to the census, uh, the recent data: if you're living in Chicago Heights, a median income is forty-six thousand. So thousand dollars is about two point one seven percent. Stagger, 44,000 median income, that's 2.27%. If you're here in Crete, 70,000, that's 1.42%. Beecher, down south, $67,000 median income, and $1,000 is 1.49%. And I know that it's just averages. And I know that everybody's in a different context, a different situation, different scenario. I, I get that. But I look at those numbers and I think, are we healthy? Are our hearts healthy in terms of our relationship with God and how we prioritize them with our stuff, with our money? And I don't say this to shame anybody. Again, this is totally anonymous. I don't say this to judge. I don't say this to guilt trip. That's not what this is about. No, what this is about is like when you go to the doctor and you say, I got this problem, well, he doesn't just start randomly throwing treatments at you. He's got to diagnose the problem, find out what it is, put a label on it, 
so that he can give the proper treatment. And that's, that's what this is. How's Trinity doing health-wise in terms of this? And this is just one stat. But however painful or weird it may seem, we need to see the reality in front of us so we can treat it. So as I was thinking this week about the treatment, how to, how to talk about this, what to, what to talk about, there was tons of things that came to mind. Tons of passages in Scripture. I was like, maybe we could talk about uh, percentage-based giving in terms of the Old Testament tithe and see if there's anything to still carry over for us today. And, and, and I thought that would be good. That merits a discussion sometime. I thought maybe we could talk about spending habits and saving habits and giving habits based on Scripture. And, and those things merit discussion, too. I thought maybe, maybe we just need to look at, like, our management of money, like understanding it's not mine. It's, it's not, no, it's, this is from God. He's, he's given us as managers to take care of his stuff, and maybe that would change our perspective. And all of those things totally merit discussion. We, we could have talked about those things, but I thought, you know, I think if this is a matter of the heart, then that's where we need to go. And instead of talking about amounts, percentages, whatever, it, it's not about that. Instead, what I wanted to focus on is motivation. The heart. Not what, not how much, but why. Why in the world should we give? Why in the world should we care about this? And, and how does this affect my relationship with God? And I, and I don't believe there's any better place to go in Scripture to look at motivation, to look at answering the question, why, why behind the giving, a generous heart. There's no better place to go, I believe, than 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. If you're someone who likes to take notes, uh, why don't you just write that down? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Those are maybe two of the best chapters that Paul gives to talk about money, talk about motivation, talk about generosity. And I'd encourage you this week to maybe go over that devotionally. You know, go ahead and take it like section by section, maybe scribble notes in your Bible or, 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 or give some prayers going on and, and see if it doesn't bless you. But obviously two chapters is a huge chunk that we're not going to go through today. So instead, I'll give you a couple highlights behind the context and then a couple verses that we'll dig into especially. Paul writes 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 with an offering in mind for hurting Jews over in Judea, Jewish Christians, who are reeling from a famine that has recently struck. He apparently has given them instructions before, about a year out uh, from this famine, uh, about this offering, and now he's saying, okay, let's... Let's finish the job, Corinthians, and after he gets the logistics of who's going to come and how it's going to be collected and then given, he covers the why. If you think about it, here's, here's, a, here's a group of Jewish Christians that these Corinthians on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea will likely never see in their entire lives. Why, why, should, I, why should I give on top of what I'm already giving to people I'll, I'll never see? And, and he covers that. And he goes passage after passage after passage, uh, not, not beating them over the head, not guilt-tripping them, but motivating them from the gospel in answering those questions, answering their fears. And that's what I pray that we do too. I pray that from just three simple verses, that, that your fears and doubts are answered and, and lifted. And we get to the, the hearts of generosity, the, the, the heart matter behind generosity, the why behind that. So that you and I can not just say those words from Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but actually believe it. Actually put our, our money where our mouth says it is. Put, put our hearts and our actions in line with God's word and his promises. And give generously. So, 
I haven't seen anybody leave yet, although I did see a couple people, but maybe that was just because of some kids. I don't think I've lost anybody yet. So if that's the case, then would you dive in with me? And let's take a look at verse 6. Paul says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He, he lays down a principle that every farmer knows. If you sow uh, just a little bit in your field in the springtime, then you can't get mad when the harvest comes in the fall and there's only a little harvest. You sow a tiny amount of seed, well, you're going to get a tiny amount in return, right? But the antithesis of that is also true. If you sow a lot, <laughs> like if you sow an abundant amount, well, come the harvest time, you can expect to reap an abundant amount of harvest, right? That's, that's something that every farmer knows, and, and you see how he's connecting the dots to generosity. If, you, if you're generous with a little, but if you're generous with a lot, there's an abundant harvest that God is going to give you. And if you're like me, then your mind immediately goes to money. Like, okay, Paul says, if I... Am I getting this right? So is Paul, like, is this like a divine pyramid scheme? Like, okay, so if I drop a $100 bill in the offering plate, then like next week, next month, I'm going to get like $200 from God? Like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be awesome? Wow, this, is, this sounds like a great deal for me, Pastor, but you're saying, well, that's not been my experience. And is that what Paul's saying? No, not exactly. Could God do that? Yeah, has God done that? I'm, I'm sure he's, he's blessed people financially through their giving in, in those unique ways. But, but as you think about this harvest that Paul is talking about, harvest of blessings, think about it maybe not in a tangible monetary way, but think about it in terms of the intangibles. Think about it in terms of people, maybe even relationships. When you're generous to someone, do you know the impact that has on someone else? I can't tell you all the stories and the names and the people that have been going on somewhat behind the scenes here, but during this whole pandemic, COVID, and layoffs and unemployment, there's been families. But there's been people who have lost their income stream or, or are hurting, and, and we've been identifying them. And then we also had people who said, church, please give this to people who are hurting. You identify them. We want to stay anonymous. And like I said, I can't go into too much detail, but I can tell you, that the people who were blessed to be able to drop off a check of X thousands of dollars to these people in need, I can tell you that they all said, wow, were these people blown away. The, the impact that that had, the tears <laughs> rolling down their faces of joy, is so good. I mean, think about what that does. That it, that it reminds people, wow, there are people who, who say, this is how much God means to them. That God has blessed them with, with this much, and they just say, yeah, here you go. I want to help someone out. I want to, I want to give them. Think about the impact that that might have on, on someone who's maybe not a Christian, but they see that and they say, like, Whoa. like this is real. What, what you, this isn't just coming to a building, sitting in a pew, in a chair, and, and listening to a guy on Sunday and then going. No, this is real. Like, you guys actually do believe this. This actually does change you. And, and maybe some other people would say, like, I, I want to give like that. Like, I've been blessed. I've been on the receiving end. Me, Kendall Cook, personally, has been on the receiving end of some massive amounts of generosity. I might be able to tell you later. And it's totally changed me to say, I want to give like that. Not amounts, but, but heart. And maybe it does translate to amount. I want to give like that. And, and maybe, maybe it's even more than just that, but maybe the harvest is what you don't see behind the scenes still. 
I think this past month, this past year, this time that I've been here so far, the amount of people who call, text, email, come in to me for counseling or, you're right, they go to Pastor Italiano for that, right? The counseling and, and all that that they need. They, they come in and, and they're not just looking for godly advice, but they're looking for God's grace. I messed up. And I need some direction. And, and all of that's possible. These people who, who want to be stronger disciples of Christ, who want to be stronger followers, who want to love more and more people, that happens because of you. Like, it wouldn't be possible for us to do that if it weren't for you and your generosity. And I know we can't always, like, follow the paper trail to see, okay, so that went there and that person was. I know we can't always do that. But there's a harvest going on that even if you can't see it, it's, it's happening. Like those Corinthians, maybe they would never see those Judean Christians, but there's a harvest going on there. But they get to reap. Paul says, so generously, you will reap generously, and you will not regret it. And, and I think about that. Like if you've ever given a generous amount to someone, to something, have you ever regretted it? Like I've talked to some pretty generous people in my life, and, and I'll bet if I asked them, like, do you regret it? They'd probably say, no way. I've never heard someone say, oh man, I, I, yeah, that family really needed some, some help. Wish I wouldn't have done it. I wish I could have had that money back for me. I really wish I wouldn't have laid down a tip that was like three times the size of the bill at the restaurant for this waiter or waitress who's just surviving on tips and minimum wage. I really wish I wouldn't have done that. I really wish I wouldn't have given that amount to the ministry at, at church. I really, no. Like that kind of an attitude is like a farmer who plants the field in the springtime is like, ah, really wish I wouldn't have done that. Should have just planted half of it. Oh, now I got a whole field of blessings to reap in the fall. No, it's like crazy. Like no, no farmer would ever do that. Nor do I know a generous person who's done that. And I'll bet there are some people that I could, if I wanted to tally up the amount that they have given over the years and years and years, you could buy a brand new house, cash, no mortgage payment whatsoever. Just throw it down. Some of you could buy like a fleet of nice new cars and all of that stuff. Some of you could buy like maybe two houses or something. And if you ask them, don't you regret it, that amount of money? Don't you miss that? I, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but I believe I can speak on behalf of all those people. And they would say, I don't regret it at all. No way. Because you sow generously and... And God is able to provide a harvest in so many different ways, tangible, intangible, so many things happen. It's so good. And I think if you were to summarize what Paul is trying to say here in this first verse, sow generously, reap generously, it, it would just be simply be this. Why, why give? Because you get when you give. And, and I don't want you to think of that in like selfish terms, like, yeah, what a sweet deal, so I'm going to get like a return on my invest. No, like you get in the most unselfish ways, but you get, Paul says, you give. Givers get blessed. Givers get from God. Givers get to join with God in his saving work, in the mission work that goes on. Givers get blessed from God. And so if that, that point is true, and that's what Paul is saying, then, then I guess some natural questions come up. Like, okay, so who should give? And, and how much should we give? And it's like Paul anticipates that. And so in verse 7, he says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Our first question, who, who should give? Paul says, well, 
each of you. It doesn't single out a, a, a class of people saying, well, if, if you make like six figures, okay, you guys are good. But if you make like four or three figures, okay, you, know, you shouldn't. No, he says each of you. Which means the, the haves and the haves not. So those who have a lot, those who have a little. The married couple that gets two incomes of revenue and the married couple or the single person with just one stream of income. It means the family with zero kids and the family with... Ten kids, not quite, right? But <laughs> pretty close, right? Uh, it means the, the people living on their nest egg in retirement and the high school, college student working a full-time, part-time job still paying tuition and loans. It says each of you. And so, okay, well, how much, Paul? And he says, you figure it out. Now, I know this, the context here is a special offering given to a special circumstance, but I believe the principle still applies. How much? You figure it out. Paul's not going to lay down an exact amount. He, he doesn't give a specific amount, but instead it says it's about a specific heart. He says, give what you've decided in your heart to give, which, which means it's not last minute, but it's planned out in advance, or beforehand. Like, in other words, if, if you're married, maybe this means sitting down and having a, a mature, godly conversation with your spouse and looking at what you make and say, God has blessed us with this. So what would be God honoring and blessing to him? And you pray, and you plan, and you give. Paul says, when you give, don't give reluctantly. Which means your, your heart does not hesitate and hold on and say, no, he doesn't want that. And he says, don't give under compulsion. Like, don't give because I guilted you into giving, because someone has guilted you into giving, because, oh, like, I'll feel bad if I don't, so okay, I'll write this out. No. Now, the fact is, God simply says in his word, I, I don't want those gifts. God is not honored by those gifts. It's because it's not about amount. Paul says it's about a heart. What kind of a heart? Paul says, God loves a Cheerful giver. Now, that passage has been used again and again and again. I've heard it again and again. It's a really popular passage, cheerful giver. But God showed me something this week as I was studying that that I've never seen before in all my studying. I looked at the Greek word for cheerful, and I was like, wait a second. Hilaros? And, and, as I, and I looked up, okay, etymology of the English word hilarious, and sure enough, we get our English word hilarious from this Greek word for cheerful. <laughs> and I think it kind of makes sense. Like what God is saying is like there is so much joy in your heart that you look at what you're able to give and it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> not, not in a sarcastic way like, oh yeah, pastor, you want me to give more? That's hilarious. No, like in an actual godly way like this, this is hilarious. Like there's so much joy here. Like I get to look at what God has given me, I get to have this conversation, I get to see the amount that I get to give in however ways, and I just say, God, give me this, and I get to give this? And you laugh, and you say, like, this, this is awesome. Yes, here you go, because there's, there's not just joy in the heart, but there's so much joy, so much cheerfulness in giving, Paul says. And as hilarious as Paul wants it to be, in a good way. 
I know for some of you, it's maybe not a laughing matter. You'd say, Pastor, I, I like that. I'd love to give that way. But I can't. Because you don't know my circumstances. And you don't know what the future is going to bring. Like, there's a lot of things. That what, what if, right? And what if that car breaks down? Transmission, $3,000. And what if the house has an emergency expense that comes up and that just drains my, and I gotta, I gotta put it on my credit card or something. And what about my debt, speaking of that? Have you seen the, the American debt so far and you just want me to give? And what about the tuition for school? What about the student loans? What about the debt I'm racking up as I'm in college that I'll have to pay off? And, you know, what about COVID? You know, what about the, the economy? I, do you know how many thousands of dollars I've lost in my portfolio, Pastor, and it isn't coming back quite yet? <laughs> and what if it gets worse? And do you know, like, what if I don't have enough? What if I get laid off? And maybe for you, it's not a what if, but I am laid off. What, what, what now? Like, when you try paying for the bills with no income, and then you're saying, oh, hey, give on top of that. Pastor, easy for you to say, but... But there's a lot of things, and let me just say, those are all valid fears. Those are, some of you are in those circumstances. Those are valid. Those are real. I don't want to minimize them. But I'd say, like Paul, that if, if we just keep our eyes on the circumstances and the situations that come before us, because let's just face it, nobody knows what the future could bring at any given time. Nobody saw this coming. And if that's all we focus on, you will never get past your fears. And you will never have a heart of generosity, which is like where Paul, again, it's like he anticipates this. And the next verse, he takes this opportunity to lift our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on God, who is bigger than all of it. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love that. He says, God is able. You know, you know God, right? The God who, who made the heavens and earth, the God who, who saved you, the God who did everything just with his words. Just by, that God is able. Tuition payments, debt, health, bills, things. Like God is so much bigger than that, Right? And I love how he drives this point home. He says, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, all, all, all. Like, like God's answer to every excuse, God's answer to every fear is, well, simply this. God is able to bless. You and I can give, you and I can be generous, regardless of the amount of income we have, whatever. You and I are able to give because God is able to bless. What about COVID? Paul says God is able. Well, what about my portfolio or, or my health? And Paul says, well, God is able in all things. Well, what about the economy? And, and what about, well, God is able at all times. Well, well, what about what might happen, potential emergencies? What about, you know, if my car and my house and there? Well, Paul says God is able to bless you so that you have at all times all things that you need. God is able. The answer to every fear, every what if, every what about, every excuse is God is able. And it's so good 
But as life-changing as that truth is that Paul gives to us, it will never change you if you don't see how it's true. You can read that, you can nod your head, you can shake along with it, but it will never actually penetrate your heart and, and really reset, make you reevaluate this area of your life and your, frankly, relationship with God if you never see how God not just is able but has already blessed you tremendously. And maybe the best passage to look at about that in these two chapters of Corinthians is something that Paul already told the Corinthians at this point a chapter ago, but I'll share it with you. He says a chapter right before this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You see what Paul is saying? He says, do you realize you're, you're rich? You are loaded. Like Jeff Bezos Amazon owner, right? That Forbes top 10 billionaires have nothing compared to what you have because it's not about three figures, four figures, five figures, six figures, ten. You're rich. Because God, who is able, was certainly able to give you everything. You have an eternal inheritance that no moth or thief can ruin or destroy, that will never perish or spoil or fade. You have heaven itself. God poured out the riches of heaven itself on you, and his name is Jesus. Did you get that? Like, like I think that's where we need to focus. How rich you are. God in heaven said, I'm going to bankrupt heaven give you the treasure of heaven itself. And, and he did so cheerfully. He didn't, he didn't give reluctantly. It's not like Jesus said to the Father in eternity and said, like, wait, uh, Father, you, you want me to leave this and go there? Like, like that's, uh, this is perfect. This is, uh, okay, all right, I guess. No, there was, there was none of that. There was no hesitancy. It's not like the Father had to twist his son's arm and say, okay, now Jesus. All right, now you need to do this. No, no. Yep, it's, it's what you have to do. And no, there's no guilt tripping involved. No, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity was perfectly in line with this plan. And Jesus cheerfully came. For, go, for when all the riches of heaven came to this sinful world and became poor. And that's not just talking about, oh, he was born in a stable and he grew in a poor family. No, he became poor spiritually. Not just coming to a sinful world, but taking on the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin. All those times that we let an excuse, a fear, a doubt, a not having enough, or what if, or what about, all of those things. He took them onto himself so none of those things would get in the way from you and God. He wiped away the slate of your sin and replaced it with his perfect slate. So that you and God are as good as Jesus himself and his Father. He, he cheerfully did it. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Think about that. The agony that Jesus himself went through 
the pain, the suffering, not just the torture, but the, the spiritual wrath of God that he would have to endure. And it was painful. And yet, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he sowed every ounce of his being into humanity, into the world, because he saw a harvest that was bountiful. You. That I'm going to sow so I can reap you. Do you know what you need to live a happy, live a hashtag blessed life? God. And He's given it to you. So, are you ready for a reset? Are you ready to, to maybe actually not just hear the words of a sermon, great sermon, Pastor, oh, I like that, but, but actually go home with these words from God and have a conversation and sit down and, and seriously look and say, what has God blessed us with? Not, not just financially, but spiritually. Think of all the riches that God has blessed you with. Are you ready to, to pray, to plan, to give, and, and to trust the God who is able in all things and at all times? I know it's, it's, it's like a, the biggest countercultural message. You, you sow a lot, and so you, you get it. It makes sense for farming, but I don't know. But if that's God's promise, when has God ever failed to deliver on one of his promises? I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking that number, 62%. And I thought, what if God's word was so effective in his people that when they heard this, that number jumped from $1,000 or less that the next year it was $2,000. $3,000. And I started to laugh. And I thought, what if, what if we all had like these conversations where we look and we say, 2%? 3%. Let's try 5%. Let's try 7%. Let's, let's try 10%. Let's, let's go more. Like, like whatever the conversations, whatever your own circumstances, right? Paul doesn't say it about. And, and I thought about that. What if we had those kind of hearts? And, and you know what I did? I laughed. Not... Not out loud, like maybe some of my colleagues do in the office and they sound like crazy people, but to myself, <laughs> I laughed because I thought this is hilarious. Like, I, I looked at that and I said, this is hilarious because I think of all the ministry that we would be able to do. Like, outside the box ministry, there's so many people around here that, that we could reach out to. I mean, there's so many things. I, I hesitate to say them because there's just that many, and I, I don't want anyone to say, oh, so Trinity is, like, going to do... <laughs> no, but there's so many things. If you gave. And it doesn't even have to be a church offering. Like, imagine if you just were generous to people. Like, wow. If we sowed that way, imagine the harvest we reaped. I, I laughed because it's hilarious. And I laughed one more time as I looked at that passage from Jesus, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and I said, God, you are so right. It is so much more blessed to give than to receive.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would all give us a true reset. That you would, you would give all of us, wherever we're at, a moment to, to reevaluate our relationship with you in terms of all the blessings that you give us. Because the truth is, we are just managers. It's all from you. And you have blessed us in crazy, ridiculous, hilarious ways. So let us be hilarious with that back. As a way to show gratitude and thanks, as a way to show our trust in you, the God who is able to bless. I pray that you would just allow that, the true conversations to happen. I pray that you would look with favor on your people and, and, and create this heart inside of us that, that doesn't judge, it doesn't look, it doesn't feel guilty, but instead just simply looks at what you have given us. Heaven itself. You've given us yourself, your, your son, who, who took our place, died literally in our place so that we could live in his place with you. God, we are so rich, we are so blessed. Let us start from there. Let's have these conversations, let's have these moments. And whatever we do and however we give, whether it's church or charity or a neighbor or however it is, let it be all to your glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.